Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. It's Friday, 22nd December. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and recorded from the MoneyWeb offices in Gauteng, Johannesburg. On the show today, chatting with Jimmy Muraha, I want to touch on those once-were faves, Purple Group and Renogen. Is there hope for them uh, into the new year or perhaps further on? Craig and Tony from Anborough Capital Investments on the rise of the Magnificent Seven and Artificial Intelligence. Is AI kind of the new internet? Is it going to just be everywhere in our lives in the years to come? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. I'm chatting with Jimmy Moyaha. Uh, Jimmy, appreciate the time today. Uh, 2023, some really solid losers, some uh, mostly in mining, some actually fairly good, decent gains, some of them surprising, the Aspens, the Sunlums of the world. What were some standouts for you, either up or downside? Hi, Simon. Um, yeah, so I think the, the year was quite the interesting uh, time that we had. I think coming into the year, we sort of didn't know where we were going to land because everybody sort of anticipated that 2022 was going to be that year, right? That recovery year after everything settled, we finally come out of pandemics. And then the start of 2023, there's a war breaking out. And so um, I think a lot of the macros that came out this year shocked some of the market uh, points. But mm-hmm. aside from that, I think some of the standout features, I mean, you you can't ignore what happened um, around January, February of the year with uh, transaction capital. I think that becomes uh, quite a standout point uh, for 2023, if you think about the fact that they closed out 2022 above 30 Rand and now we are below 10 rand a share on that. Uh, so that, that has to be one of the standout points. Another one has to be uh, pick and pay with all, all of the changes that uh, have taken place there. I mean, if we think about, again, 2022, we were sitting around 60 rand a share. We're now down at around 20 rand a share. Mm. Um, but I mean, without focusing too much on uh, some of the negatives, there were some positives as well. I, I think back to uh, the likes of... Capitech, we, we sort of had this inclination that we'd see a lot of movement on the banking stocks and by all accounts we did. And then Capitech, that movement was to the downside first and it has since recovered back towards uh, the upside and actually taken out um, where it was at the start of the year. But I think the banking space, when we, we came into these elevated interest rate uh, environments and when we thought, okay, cool, uh, banks are your safer stocks, this is where we're going to go and this is what's going to do really well, the market may have looked at that and a couple of other factors and said, you know what, there's there's a lot going on. Um, and I mean, if you look at the likes of Goldfields as well, they, they stand out uh, because they m- may not have had the strongest sort of first half of the year, but they certainly came back um, in the second half of the year. Uh, I, I remember back in March or so, we printed around 10% gains on the top 40. And a lot of yeah. that was 
the height and we saw uh, commodities pricing moving quite a bit. And I think Goldfields at that time uh, did anywhere from, I think, about 170 rand to north of or almost 320 rand a share. It obviously did still come back from that point. And we did see a lot of the SA counters between sort of April and I'd say July, August of this year or April to actually April to June. We saw a lot of them come down and then we saw some of them start to rebound and bottom out as they started the second half of the year. Um, but we're seeing a, quite a bigger push and quite a stronger push now. We saw in November that we we did another 9% on the top 40, which um, would have been nice to have done on top of the, the, the 10% we did at the start of the year. <laughs> but I suppose finishing the year in, in positive territory is uh, a victory by all accounts if you think about everything that's happening at a macro level. Yeah, I take a point if, if we could have hung into those games. I quickly want to go back to transaction capital. Those results that came out, we look at We Buy Cars, we look at Newton, they made a little over a, a billion rand uh, profits. Uh, my argument was, we'll put them on a 10 times PE, that's a 10 billion business, the market cap is six, there's upside. Problem, our market's not valuing stocks on 10 times, they're valuing them on five times. So then suddenly they're a 5 billion rand stock and uh, you're paying a billion for SA Taxi. You think there's value there? I think the transaction capital story is a very, very interesting uh, development. I mean, if we think about, uh, and I'll come to the the taxi, SA taxi business in a sec, but we have to think about where the business has come from. You think about the fact that um, current CEO uh, Jonathan Jono and and the team of co-founders had stepped back from the business and you had uh, David Hurwitz uh, in charge of the business as a CEO and then out of nowhere overnight we get uh, a bad set of results, we get resignations, we get a removal of a CEO and you get an announcement that the co-founders are stepping back. That, that, that was a very clear message to, to the market around um, the business needing to turn itself around uh, from its position. And I think uh, that relationship there uh, was probably part of how things uh, turned out and panned out. Looking at the transaction uh, at the SA taxi business now, um, I spoke to uh, Jonathan and, and the SA taxi guys, I mean, the, the transaction capital guys, and the conversation was very much, we believe SA Taxi is going to turn around. We've put in two plus or two point something odd billion and we're putting in an additional 280 million and uh, Santaco's involved and they're uh, committed as well. They're 25% owners and they're committed to restructuring the business. And my thing with the SA Taxi side of the business is it is all good and well to, to look at that from a positive light and try and spin it positively. But the reality is, if you're still sitting with the amount of debt that you're sitting in that business and you've got about what I think is about just under 17 billion rand in gross yeah. loans, yeah. Um, you're dealing with an environment where taxi owners and taxi operators, or yeah, taxi owners more so than operators, taxi owners are dealing with elevated interest rate levels. Financing is an issue. They're not excited to say, oh, we owe you 17 billion. Here, let's pay you now. You know what I mean? So you're there's there's other factors to contend with that might not be counting in the favor of SA Taxi, to say the least. Um, but also, the, the pinning your hopes on that one business, which you also get a bit of a sense of that. I mean, if you think being 3 billion rand committed to a business like that, um, that, that is a serious level of commitment in a short space of time. And one wonders, is it overcommitment? Are you putting everything on the line for that, so for, the, for the business there? And as a shareholder of Transaction Capital, you hear the conversations around the unbundling of, of We Buy Cars, 
And you think to yourself, okay, we buy cars as the profitable uh, asset in the portfolio at the moment. Do I then not just move and take my we buy car shares and sell my transaction capital shares because I'm retaining the profitable asset of that portfolio in terms of exposure and I don't have to worry about the headache of whether or not transaction or SA taxi can be turned around because that's the reality that um, retail investors that would be looking at that stock might have to face is to say, am I going to grind it out um, in an environment where it could take longer than 12, 24, 36 months to start to see a meaningful change? Yes, of course, if interest rates come down quite dramatically, you'll see that that will lend itself to more positive um, movements in terms of taxi uh, numbers and, and that sort of thing. But the reality is the, the TC, the transaction capital business, still has, I think, about north of 20, 24 odd billion rand in interest bearing debt. So that's another conundrum that you have to contend with as well. Yeah, no, a bunch of moving parts there. Some of the, 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 the punters phase coming into the year, and I put myself in that box, and crowd phase, uh, Purple, Renogen, they both got uh, quite badly smashed this year. Yeah, um, I think the purple one we can start with because that was fairly uh, simple. That was a lot around the um, activist uh, claims made by, um, well, all over Twitter and or X rather and, and other platforms uh, around some of the management structures, how the deals were structured in the past, deliverables that they haven't been able to meet target on. And uh, obviously the, the fact that Stefano Marani has now moved to the US, whether it's for investor gathering or um, to get away from the situation, obviously people are going to speculate around those sorts of things. You and I have looked at Renogen extensively over not even just the last year, I think it's probably over the yeah. last two, three years. And we've said that from a reserves point of view, from um, the, the, the underlying um, business and what sits in that business, uh, there's a lot of good assets. There's, a, there's an immense amount of potential based on the studies that were done. And if companies, I mean, if, if you're able to secure uh, a $750 million uh, uh, debt facility that is dependent on you being able to deliver. Clearly, there's some level of confidence in the feasibility studies and such that you have done on that uh, from financial institutions as well. So I think um, Renogen has definitely uh, been on the receiving end of a lot of negative media and a lot of negative news. Uh, I think from a punting point of view, if you've punted the stock and we're at, what, 12 Rand now, I think we've been punting it since it was around that 18 Rand level if you're at 12 rand and you're getting a really good uh, price point here and you're willing to take the risk the reality is um, if this goes to zero then it goes to zero and yes you've you've lost out on, on that investment but if you think about what happened to a Kumba when it unbundled and it went from I think what 5 rand to 500 rand yeah. uh, and if you see somewhat of any or any similar uh, type of movement in Renogen you could definitely be sitting on uh, a really good stock in the long term. But of course, there are still a lot of head headwinds it needs to go through. It needs to, uh, it's proven phase one, which was so important to do because everything up to this point was theoretical. Everything was, you know, in in the cloud, so to speak. And now yes. it's 
we've proven that we've proven viability phase two um part of that is listing in the u.s and that's also such a uh, important part of of the business but if you think about uh where we're sitting here you now have that announcement out of the south african government that we are going to be moving ahead with that muscle bay uh, lng facility that they want to bring online there that would lend itself to guys like Renogen being able to say we don't have to deal with as much costs from an export point of view we can plug into this kind of uh, export facility and um, however that relationship works out is only to the benefit of Renogen if that plant is to come online so yes there's a couple of things that are out there but I mean at 12 rand a share if you are looking for really good value stocks I think for me the fact that phase one was proven is such a significant milestone that they're worth um, giving them a bit of uh, benefit of the doubt at the stage. Uh, and then purple group. And then purple group. Mm. <laughs> I mean, is, is that, I mean, how much is that just, they're a, they're a discretionary consumer facing business and well, there was no discretion this, this year. Yeah, purple group is, is a difficult, <laughs> interesting <laughs> conversation. So I've spoken to Charles, you've spoken to Charles. Yeah. Um, we, we've, we've gone into detail about that 25 rand, yeah. uh, five fee, uh, platform fee, loyalty fee, call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, it's a cost to the consumer. And again, like transaction capital announcements that shocked uh, the market when you saw uh, that Purple Group wanted to do that rice offer, but just before doing the rice offer, shareholders were selling their shares at around three Rand 50. That was obviously explained in some other way. Oh, we had to do this and, and, and that sort of thing. But at, at the end of the day, the rice offer went through and it's clear by the share price that you would have been better off not having participated in the rights offer because the share price is at 60 cents and yeah. pre-rights offer will be above one rand. So th 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 that's a very clear sign from the market. I think the, my viewpoints on, on Purple Group are um, around how the business is structured at the moment. You've got a easy equities business that was loss making for the longest time, has finally turned profitable, but Sunlum owns 30% of that business. And in all reality, at 60 cents a share, Sunlum is, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a buyout offer for the rest, right? And you, you're you wanting to roll out a lot of new products, a lot of new Sunlum based products. You take, you've taken off uh, other uh, providers from your purple or from your easy equities platform. There used to be uh, the ability to list um, products on their ETFs and other mm. products and purple group took all of that away to say, we're only listing our products, but now they're launching new products, which are very similar to Sunlum products. So you almost wonder if Sunlum is going to eventually at some point, just say, give us the whole easy equities business. And then if that is the case, what then becomes of the purple group, what becomes of uh, GT247 Emperor asset management, the other, the assets that sit within the business that aren't um, doing well so uh, from a profitability point of view. So I think uh, for now, the group has a lot to reflect on. And this is an inflection point for the business because this is an opportunity to say we could potentially look at unbundling. Do we unbundle the business? Do we list some of our business units separately? Do we sell off some of our businesses? Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the likes of a, a GT247, you're dealing with uh, a CFD market that in South Africa isn't where the European markets are, where the Asian markets are, where even the US markets are. You, you're, it's a saturated market. There's a lot of bad players here and there. Um, there's a lot of regulatory changes that's taken place. And um, GT247 as, as, as a business in that space now has to compete with the likes of Admirals, the likes of IG that have um, their licensing. The GT obviously has their own ODP licensing as well, but it, it's not uh, an, as dominant a space as they might find an easy equity space 
space where they are one of the few players that have this. Um, but now, again, with the Easy Equities products, you've got clarity coming through from Investec, and Investec said, we're going to roll this out to retail as well. And, you know, Investec Prime and that desk is able to achieve really good and really competitive pricing. So you suddenly go from being one of the only players to offer the service to say, um, we're not competing against the bank that has a balance sheet that spreads beyond the South African borders, right? So, um, yes, do you then, how do you then position the business? Do you then continue the fight? Do you then have that conversation with Sunlam to say, take this off our hands? Um, but this has been such a passion project for Charles and his team. I don't see them letting the business go um, so easily. So, very, very precarious position for uh, Purple Group at this stage. Um, 60 cents is uh, quite uh, a, a low trading price for, for the group, I think. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting point to be at this point. And it's one of those things where, similar to Renogen, this is one of those things where you're like, okay, the bottom is uh, very close, which means the, the, the top is further away. So your upside potential uh, if things can be turned around, and that's a big if, is is quite Im- immense. We live a day, Jimmy. We always appreciate the insights. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanley Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Craig Antoni, he's CIO at Anbro Capital Investments. Craig, appreciate the time today. After the, the bear market in 2022 in the NASDAQ, uh, this year the NASDAQ 100 returns really reminded us that bear markets don't last long, even if they feel really crushing at the time. Hi, Simon, and hi to the listeners. Thanks again for, for having me. Yes, you know, it's a point well made. You know, And I'll just add that you know, for clients and investors, and I guess even sort of passive market onlookers, there are several truths in investing that are always worth remembering and worth mm. reminding ourselves of. And the first is that, you know, markets generally rise between 70 and 75% of the time. Yeah. You know, so the trend over the long run is, is certainly up. You know, over shorter time frames, it can get quite hairy, like we saw last year and, and on many occasions before that. But you know, this this leads to the second point, really, which is because the trend is up, you know, once you never really sell when things are down. And mm-hmm. invariably, you know, because things do recover, you know, most money is made in the down markets, not in the up markets. You know, those that are disciplined and, and keep adding and investing during the down years set themselves up really for, you know, for great returns going forward. And maybe the last point I'd make on that is just that, you know, it's always worth remembering that I guess in the very short term, you know, the price is always determined by things like emotion. You know, what we see in the press, what we hear on yeah. on the radio, when they're reading the paper, etc. But over the long term, ultimately, share prices are, you know, determined by how companies are doing, you know, and, and whether they're delivering value for customers and shareholders and, and stakeholders in general. Yeah, it, it comes back to, are they quality? But I take your point, in the short term, craziness can prevail. Tech's largely been the Magnificent Seven this year, and, and that that has been AI. It, it's just over a year that ChatGPT uh, launched. Google's just launched their Gemini response to ChatGTP. 
AI really is a game changer and it's going to be in time, it's going to be everywhere and, and tech's going to be that underpin to it. Definitely. And I think, you know, one of the important things about, you know, technology and, and why we find the, you know, the space so interesting and so attractive is that, you know, one of the reasons why you invest in technology is to use it for lowering costs and improving mm. efficiency, that sort of thing. And AI really fits right into that wheelhouse. If you think about it, you know, companies are going to be using this technology to, to hopefully make things better, you know, for their businesses, for their customers and, you know, again, for stakeholders in general. Now, of course, there's been many ways to play this. I mean, the most obvious and largest beneficiary so far in this early sort of rocketing sort of theme, if you like, has been the semiconductor space. And yeah. NVIDIA in particular has been a clear market leader there. At this point, I suppose we're still waiting to see, you know, how this is going to reach out into you know, various other parts of the economy and sectors, etc. But, but I can be sure that there'll be, you know, lots of opportunity to profit from this theme over the years. And I think it's probably going to be a, you know, a very, very big and long lasting trend. I've almost got the view, and I want to run it past you because maybe I'm crazy and you can shoot me down. If we, if we go all the way back, the sort of the first big step was computers, the personal computer, where suddenly uh, private individuals could get a computer. And, and back in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, they, they weren't cheap and we couldn't all get them. But, but now most of us have a computer in our pocket. The internet came along in the 90s, uh, sort of matured in the, in, in the early 2000s, and, and now it's just, a, a, it's just ubiquitous in our life. Is AI sort of the, the next internet in a sense? And in the early days, we sit here now, and we can't quite see it, but in 10 years' time, is it just going to be sort of everywhere much like computers and internet? I think it likely is, Simon. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where you might not always see it, obviously, in action, but it's always going to be happening in the background. You know, whether it's ways to improve your life, um, you know, people are already using it, for example, to help them best plan a holiday. Mm. You know, what's the, the best way to travel from A to B and, and see everything in between? And, you know, AR steps in and helps with that. Um, it also very much helps people understand things in ways which are not easily understandable. You know, so if we view someone that's trying to learn about a, an industry or a, a skill that you're not immediately familiar with, you know, putting your question into something like ChatGPT, you know, and getting an answer in a in a way which helps you understand it is is going to help considerably. So I think, you know, the, the important thing, I guess, is to just realize, you know, where the money is to be made here. And I think that's the difference. You know, companies like, say, Microsoft and Google and, and Amazon and, you know, all these big businesses are spending fortunes of money on developing their AR products and platforms. Um, the question is, you know, how do they monetize that and how do they make money out mm -hmm. of this? Or is it going to be something like, and, and an investment you have to make and something you have to have in order to remain relevant. You know, so in that case, you know, where's the money made? And that's why I think people are looking at like the picks and shovel start businesses at the moment, like NVIDIA and, and then the other semis. But certainly I think this is going to be something that's going to become, to your point, just something we use all the time, you know, whether we know it or not. And it's really changing the face of, of I think, you know, investing the world and, and how we interact in it. 
Yeah, I, I remember about a decade ago, it was, you know, could Facebook make money on mobile? And, and the jury was out. And well, the answer is they absolutely could. Um, I, I want to change tack slightly. Microsoft, such an Adela, who, who, who really has, I mean, he's turned around a sleeping giant in his nine years as CEO. You talk a lot about the importance of CEOs, often founders. In this case, he wasn't a founder, but, but the right person at the top of a business, any business, but tech in this case, it really matters. Certainly. I think, you know, the right leader is vital in any endeavor, Simon, as you know, you know, and especially, yeah. in, uh, especially in investing, because, you know, as shareholders, you're entrusting your savings to the people that manage, you know, these companies. Now, Microsoft was, a, you know, a business with enormous opportunity, but not necessarily being run to its full potential. And although, you know, he wasn't the founder of Microsoft, I think since becoming the CEO, he's really almost entrenched a a thinking in Microsoft that we very often see, you know, with founders. You know, Microsoft's become far more entrepreneurial, far more growth orientated. Mm. You know, although it's like a massive behemoth business, it's sort of floating around like a, a butterfly and singing like a bee, you know, to take that old um mm-hmm. that old quote. And I think, you know, this is what really has changed the face of Microsoft is you know they've had this massive business which generates an enormous amount of cash flow. And now they've been able to use that cash flow to look at other verticals to grow, you know. And I think since Nadella's taken control, I mean, Microsoft's share price has gone up by over a thousand one hundred percent, you know, which is an incredible feat. And that's just showing you how, you know, the right person at the at the helm can make such a such a difference. And he certainly has been has been the right person. Yeah, and I, and I think under Steve Ballmer, and, and not to diss him, but just to give the comparison, I think the share price probably did close to nothing. Quick last question. AI is all the hype. We've been talking about it today. It's the Magnificent Seven. But there's actually a lot else happening in the tech space. And, and tech, broadly as a, as, as a sector, uh, continues to boom and continues to offer huge opportunity for investors. Definitely. I think, you know, one of the themes that, you know, we look for as you know, as an investor in the technology space is clearly, you know, the sorts of businesses that are going out there and solving problems for people, you know, and invariably a lot of that solution comes with a a technology underpin, you know, and once you solve a problem and, you know, and you solve a headache for a customer um, or a client or a, you know, consumer, you know, that sort of customer, consumer or client is likely to stick with you for a long time, you know, if you, if you're meeting their needs and, and tech falls into that space. I think there's been a very big change this year, you know, after the very hard last year that tech companies have had, there's been a, a shift in, in the way investors have thought about the space. And there's been a lot more money being spent to companies that have spent time in taking a hard look at their business, making sure that they've made the tough choices, you know, whether it comes to cut costs and waste and improve operating metrics and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, with interest rates where they are, obviously investors can be far more discerning now and they're looking for, you know, what is probably higher quality, you know, more visible winners in the space. So, you know, there's been a lot of positives this year, but there've also been a few negatives, you know, solar companies, you know, solar clean energy technology, Mm -hmm. for example, has battled this year. Um, another space that's battled, ironically, has been you know Chinese tech. They've been yeah. under the crush this year in a, in a very big way. I mean, the equivalent of the Mag Seven, you know, in China, is actually down almost twenty percent this year. And in some cases, some of the names there are off by over fifty percent. You know, so there's definitely been a a focus on. Qu- 
quality and size this year. Um, but to your point, uh, you know, you made a, a second or so ago, it's just that, you know, the opportunity is immense. And we're quite excited looking forward because we think there's um, you know, a vast amount still out there to, you know, to take advantage of. We'll leave it there, Craig and Tony, CIO, Anbro Capital Investments. Always appreciate the insights. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Stanler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. That's it for today. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. This is our last show for the year. We'll be back on the 8th of January with a live show. Huge thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole. Massive thanks to you for listening and to my guests. We really appreciate their time over the year. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again next year. Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday. For more business, finance and investment news. MoneyWeb Now on the money. Also available on podcast.